I want to talk to you this morning about communion beyond ritual. It is a celebration. We've come here today to exalt him. Not to exalt an organization. Not to exalt a particular church. But the church exalts him. I want to begin this morning with just a brief passage of God's word found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. You can follow along with me. Where the apostle says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Today is a very special day in the church. We use many phrases. We talk about coming to the table of the Lord. We talk about the Lord's Supper. Not the fruit of the vine and the bread, but the meaning. The realization of what it involves. That's why we celebrate the Lord's table, or communion, as you might call it. This, as a ritual, but not just as a ritual. As a meaningful experience for God's people. And as an experience for those who may not have put their trust in Christ. Because this meal can be a time to put your trust in Christ. And I would say for any listening remotely, if you have not made him Lord of your life, let this day become the day that you declare him Lord. And if you're not with us to take a cup, then find a place later today to find the fruit of the vine and some bread and take it. And let it be to your altar call the day that you declare, Jesus is Lord of my life. My sins are forgiven. Jesus himself started this event in the church. At his last Passover on earth, he gave us the Lord's Supper. Now, if we were to visit different churches and witness the celebration of his sacrifice, we'd see it celebrated in many different ways. For some, it's just an informal meeting with an exhortation, a little self-examination. And self-examination is part of this. But if you're waiting till you're worthy to partake of the cup, you'll never partake of the cup. This cup is for sinners. And if you walked in here today with something that would prevent you from taking of communion, get it taken care of. It's not a distraction to pay attention and talk to God while I'm preaching. I don't mind you not paying attention to me, as long as you pay attention to the Spirit of the living God. Take that which prevents you from His presence, give it to Him and confess it, and let it be cleansed from your heart and soul. Self-examination is a part of this. In some meetings, they'll say words that uh, may not have the same meaning to us, But to those that take them, it means they're taking the body of Christ. In Latin, they would say, hoc est corpus meum. We don't have any magic words to say here today. All we have is the word of God, which is supernatural, and it's not magic. Some churches, there'll be a loaf and a chalice. Often they took the drink from the chalice communally. We're not doing that. We have an efficient way to serve this, the ritual part. But I'm asking you today to take this beyond ritual 
and understand the fullness what Jesus Christ has given us and what can happen during this time that we call communion. In other churches, there will be a priest with their attendants in colorful vestments. In some churches, the priests only will drink the wine and the people will eat the wafer. There will be somewhere where they'll say, this is my body, when they refer to the elements. This is the flesh and the blood of Jesus. And there are traditions where they believe at a certain time in the service, it actually becomes the real flesh and blood of Jesus. I don't want to say anything negative about those that believe that. I don't believe that's what the scripture tells us. But if you think it's only a symbol, it is more than that. Now, if you take it ritualistically, that's what it is. It's a symbol. It didn't change its constituency of what it actually is. But today, when you take this communion, if you take it in faith, and you connect with Jesus, and His Holy Spirit touches you, you can sense and feel the removal of sin from your soul. You can become aware of the healing stripes of Jesus for your sickness and disease. There is great power in communion beyond ritual. In the Greek tradition, it is often referred to as a mystery from the Greek word mysterium. I didn't even need to translate that for you, did I? In Latin, from the priest's words of dismissal, misa, it translates into English as the mass. It is referred to as the sacrament from sacramentum, another one that doesn't need to be translated. It is indeed a sacrament. There are churches that ascribe really little or no meaning to this memorial meal. But we're going to this morning reject the mistaken, which makes it more than it is. But we're going to not go to extreme and make it less than it is. It is a gift from God. And in the early church, often had it with a full meal. Hence, the table of the Lord. But because of abuses, churches have moved away from mixing communion. I like to call it the pot blessing meal. The Lord's table is not a magical rite. The ritual itself does not impart grace, nor is it simply a nostalgic ceremony. Looking to the past. It is an ordinance of the church. Like baptism is an ordinance of the church. If you don't know Jesus and you become baptized in water, you know what you get? Wet. But if you know Jesus and you follow him in the waters of baptism, you demonstrate obedience. You demonstrate the coming resurrection that you're believing for because you come alive out of the water. If you don't come out alive, then the minister held you down too long. In this ordinance of the church, if we understand it, it can and should bring us into the very presence of God. It brings us into the presence of God that we may deal with sin. We may restore fellowship with God and restore fellowship with our fellow believers. If we come into this in faith, in the presence of God... It will be a testimony of the meaning of Christ's sacrificial death. And not only of his death, but it will point to the happy news that Jesus is coming again. That day will come when the clouds will part. You know, on those clear sunny days we all love. I don't know the day or the hour. 
but I know the one who's coming. I don't even know the minute or what year, but I know he's coming again. It was the promise to his disciples. It was the promise to his apostles. It was the promise of the prophets and the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus is coming again because it became the promise in the first chapter of the book of Acts to all of us who are far off. And I don't know if it'll take another thousand years. I don't see how. Well, that's what they thought in the first century, too. But I'm telling you, this table reminds us he is coming again. So in this today, there are symbols of opportunity to partake of the Lord himself. Is it any wonder Jesus said these words in John 6, 53? That I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That statement caused the Roman Empire to believe that Christians were guilty of cannibalism. This is no cannibalism, but it is time to receive all the benefits of his shed blood and his flesh that knew no sickness nor disease nor sin until he hung on the cross and he who knew no sin, became sin for you and I. Unbelievable sacrifice. So by faith we were to enter into a living relationship in communion with the living God. And as we partake in faith, it does impart to us the blessings of grace. 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 How powerful is that word? Not only powerful enough that my sins can be erased... But grace is the empowerment that I can now overcome my sins. I may not have the discipline to do so, but I overcome my sins through his grace and his power that lives in me and lives in you. So, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's table today, I am asking God to give you a fresh appreciation for this table, for the elements that you have in your hands. And they give you a fresh awareness of his presence that's in our midst. Now, I know that God is with us today. Not just because his name is Emmanuel. God with us. I know that God is with us. Not because his word says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Those are all good reasons. But as we worshiped in your worship team led you into the presence of God. And they did that. And if you didn't sense that, maybe you need to come back and examine your heart before God and listen to the Holy Spirit. Because God is in our midst. He would be in our midst even if I didn't feel him, but I feel him. I sense him. I know him. I know there are those who become critical of churches who have too much emotionalism. I don't know what they mean by too much emotionalism. I like those that are solidly founded in God's word and not afraid to feel it. Now, I don't want to be driven by feelings. Bad feelings can happen because of low blood sugar. And if that happens, eat something and come back and worship God and get those good feelings back again. I believe in practical Christianity. So, God is here in our midst, giving us a fresh awareness of his presence. Now, in the elements is Christ's broken body. In the bread, there is a dual truth of his suffering and his sufficiency. 
Is it any wonder that the powerful words that came from the Lord Jesus as he hung on the cross is, it is finished? His sacrifice was completely done. He doesn't need to be crucified again. It is finished. And it says, your sins, my sins, your sins, they're finished. It is finished. His suffering reveals the seriousness of sin. If you think your sin is not important, and if you think that uh, there's a group of think that there's just so much grace that uh, we can just go ahead and sin every day, and, and I believe in Jesus, it's okay. That, that is not the grace of God. The grace of God empowers the forgiven to overcome. Do not become a lazy Christian or a mental Christian who is headed for hell. But believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe in the grace of God. Bring him into your struggle and find victory. The psalmist said in Psalm 5, 5, you hate all workers of iniquity. And I know when I first read that, I said, you hate all workers of iniquity? Only when they give in to iniquity. He hates the working iniquity in their heart. One of the Hebrew prophets clarified it. There's a great little book called Habakkuk. Three chapters. The first chapter, Habakkuk complains to God because God has told him how he's going to punish Israel for their sins or Judah. The second one, he says to God, I know that I'm wrong. He's going to criticize you, so I'm going to sit here and listen to you correct me. And in the third chapter, God corrects him. <laughs> Have you ever... No hands are necessary this morning. This is a rhetorical question. If you answer me, it'd be like talking to the television. Have you ever felt like God was wrong in something? Now, I know. I, I'm going to be transparent. None of you, because you're a holy people, and I can see that none of your halos are tilted today. But I've had a few times that I really questioned God. I've learned from Habakkuk. So then I said, okay, God, straighten me out. And you know, he does. Gently and firmly. And there's a few times he knew I needed a little bit more than gently. I'm so glad that God cares enough to correct us. That God cares enough to change our mind and our heart. Habakkuk said, Thy eyes are too pure to approve evil, and thou canst not look on the wickedness with favor. So the suffering of Jesus reveals God is holy, and he's too pure, he's too pure to condone our sins, but he loves us. Here's the good news. You know the good news. The suffering of Christ reveals the love of God. And it was Jesus himself, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's not talking about existence. He's talking about abundance. He's talking about real, vital life is God's gift to you through his love. So moving that John Wesley wrote these words, Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? God to put on human skin, the God who cannot die, came and died for you and I. Paul wrote to the church at Rome in his eighth chapter of his letter. says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. For those who love him, not just for those he loves... It's because he loves us first that we love him.
You see, he who gave Jesus for us will not withhold anything that is necessary for our ultimate happiness and peace. His body was broken for our sake. 700 years before that historical event happened, a royal prophet to the courts of kings by the name of Isaiah said, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. I purposely took that from a more modern translation because it comes just as clear as it does in the King James and the New King James, which is my favorite. With his stripes, we are healed. With his stripes, we are healed. I want to say if you need his sufficiency, and you do, then in sweet surrender to him, partake of the bread when it, the time comes in this service. And by faith, receive the living bread. Don't just take the little wafer. It's there and gone in a second. But the living bread is forever and ever and ever and ever. Let him live in you. Let his power, his love, his grace flow through you and I. And why do we have services like this where you are admonished and I am admonishing and myself as well being admonished to do this? It's because we need constant reminding from God's word. I guess I shouldn't speak for you. I need constant reminding. I need to get my focus back from listening to the news too much. (laughs) I need to get my focus back just from life. Christ's blood was poured out for our sins. Blood was a symbol of life, and it speaks to us of life being poured out. In the ancient book of Leviticus, chapter 17, 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. And so it was in the earlier covenant That God made an atonement for mankind's sin by the blood of animals being sacrificed. Now, let me tell you about this word atonement. We're a church that believes in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. But we're using the word wrong. Actually, we've changed the meaning of the word. Because in the Old Testament, the blood of the animal shed was an atonement. And the word means a covering. The blood covered the sins. I have good news for you. When the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the earth, gave his life, he didn't come to cover your sins. His blood. (laughs) There's an old song. You know it. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. His blood doesn't just cover. It washes away our sin and sends it into the sea of God's forgetfulness. How about that for a deal? That's what this table means, what these elements mean. The writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 9 says, According to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And again, cleansing, not covering. Jesus instituted this Lord's table at Passover. What a time. How wonderful on that Last Passover, he gave us communion. The original Passover was the judgment. Judgment on the Egyptians and God's protection on his people as they were exiting Egypt. You know the story. 
They took hyssop, a bush. They dipped it in the blood of the sacrificed lamb. They came out and splattered it on the top of the doorpost and then to this side and to this side. And, of course, it dripped from the top down to the bottom. And what do you have? Connect the dots. You have the cross. And he said, when I see the blood in that shape of the cross, I will pass over you. I paraphrase that. Do you know, I think many of you are aware that when the law was given... And Moses was up on top of Mount Sinai with God and all the thundering and the lightning and the law was being etched in stone. That God's view down on the children of Israel, on their encampment, at the center, at the crux, was the tabernacle that represented the presence of God. And people were camped to the north, the east, the west, and the south. And when you take the number of each tribe that was camped, they form the shape of a cross. So when he was giving the law, he was looking at the cross. How wonderful is God's provision to us. And we remember that this morning. Jesus instituted the Lord's table at Passover. The lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. This was God's plan in the very beginning to erase Adam's sin and each of ours as well. And that brings us to the conclusion or the question, I should say. I'll give you the conclusion. I'm mine anyway. Do we sin because we're sinners? Or are we sinners because we sin? Here's the answer. Yes. Whatever the root is, I'm more interested in the solution. And Jesus is the solution. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, chapter 5, verse 7, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And it was the Apostle Peter who declared, You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. Christ's blood was poured out. And it seals a brand new covenant of grace. Our salvation depends not on our work, but on his work. And his work in us to overcome sin. Will we fall and make mistakes? We will if we're human. But he will pick us up again and again and again and again. I will neither tell you what errors I've made along the way and had to be picked up. And I don't want to hear yours. Because he's the one to tell it to His grace is sufficient. His love is full of majesty. He has sealed the covenant of grace with his blood. And our salvation depends upon that work of his. And we'll call that the exchanged life. I took my old life. (laughs) It was sort of like, Lord, are you interested in this? His love was sufficient to take my sins and my old nature. And begin the transformation. And can I tell you, church, he hasn't just through this cup demonstrated he wants to give you heaven. That's good enough. You're not just going to be sitting on a cloud playing a harp. He said, I want to make you sons and daughters of the most high God. How can you get better? I want to make you kings and priests in my kingdom. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. But the scripture says God has revealed it. But sometimes I think the revelation is just too hard for the human mind to get around. The first time I realized what God had for us, I thought I was thinking blasphemy. 
No, I'm not to be equal with God. But I'm telling you, he's brought us into his family. So I want to say today, if you're listening remotely or in this sanctuary, if you do not want his salvation, do not drink. But if you want his salvation, do not be prevented from the table of the Lord. If you do want it, then receive the cup with gladness along with all that it means, forgiveness. We are warned not to eat or drink in an unworthy manner. We're not told that if we're unworthy, we can't eat or drink. Because if we were unworthy, we were barred from the communion table. None of us would ever get there. Just treat this cup with respect. Treat the bread with respect. Come to him with your sin. By an act of surrender, commit yourself to Christ. The damage hidden sin can do is horrible. Don't harbor that stuff. Be forgiven and forgive others with the great grace that God has given to you. Let's take the elements in our hand. And let's take the bread from the top there. It's simply a wafer. But in faith, it's more than that. Jesus said, This is my body. Do this in remembrance. If Jesus were walking in the flesh here today, would you clamor to touch the hem of his garment for healing? I would. In faith, touch the hem of his garment. In faith, throw your arms around him. In faith, accept his healing. In faith, telling your shortcomings, your sin. And feel the load lifted. This is my body. This do in remembrance of me. Take it. And now let us open the cup. His blood has been shed. His sacrifice made for you, for me. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. But God does, and he said he'll forgive you. Well, I'm afraid I've, I've committed the unforgivable sin. If you did, you wouldn't be here today. If you have any desire to be forgiven... He will forgive you. When we take this cup in your heart, believe the blood of Jesus washes away my sin and will empower me to overcome it. He says, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Drink all of it. I want to thank you for allowing me to come and bring to you the word of the Lord. I also want to say, as we prepare to go out for this week, that the Lord's table is rich in meaning. It pictures for us the sacrificial death of Jesus. 
But it's not just a look back, it's a look ahead. I want you to remember all of this week. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for you. He's coming back again. If you have had a barrier between you and God, and you got that resolved today, you might want to come and linger in prayer for a few moments. Or you might want to call the office and leave a message and say, you know, if you've just put your faith in Jesus for the first time or you've been away and you've come back, I'd like for someone to talk to me and help me along the way. We're a family, a family of sons and daughters of God. Would you stand with me? May the Lord richly bless you and keep you. May He guide your steps along the way. May He fill you with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And make His face to shine upon you with the blessings of eternity. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.